Your Preparation Station with Donna Miller is on the air. Tune in for insight and encouragement for living a more sustainable, back-to-basics lifestyle. No matter where you've come from or what the future may hold, we hope each episode will encourage you with topics, guests and stories that inspire your journey towards self-sufficiency. And now, the hostess of your preparation station, Donna Miller. Welcome to a brand new episode of Your Preparation Station. I'm Donna Miller, and I'm really glad to be with you again today. I've had the wonderful blessing of the last few episodes to be able to spend some time with some of the distinguished authors for Prepare Magazine, and today is no different. With one exception, I've never had the opportunity to talk with this gentleman before, <laughs> so I'm really excited. Um, in, in a way, we're getting to know each other, and I'm getting to know him a little bit better verbally because we do a lot of conversation back and forth written, but as far as uh, verbally, this will be our first conversation, so you guys are getting it raw off the cuff. Um, so, you know, it. I always enjoy this I would call it a job, but this mission uh, to bring you people that I feel like are somebody that you can connect with that can help encourage you along your preparedness journey if you're just now thinking about it for the very first time and you're maybe a little freaked out. I would encourage you to listen to some of the people who I have on as guests. Um, I usually won't have somebody on that's a big fear monger. I won't have anybody on that, that's just out to sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. These are people that they have done their due diligence, they know what they're doing, and they're really ready to reach out and help other people. So today is no exception. I'm excited to have with me Don Alley, and he is a distinguished author for Prepare Magazine. People are wondering, what's that mean? He's written X number. He's reached a certain level to where he's written for us quite a lot. (laughs) And we've been in print, uh, Prepare's been in print, I'm sorry, Prepare's been out in digital since 2012, so Don's had plenty of time to get his word out there. Um, He is a martial arts practitioner with over 10 years of experience, and he's practiced personal protection training methodology with broad-spectrum awareness. He's a black belt in classic jiu-jitsu, assistant instructor at the Marshall Science Center, and an emergency preparedness instructor and program coordinator at Marshall Tactics, sorry, Marshall Tactical Training of Michigan. Furthermore, he also is an NRA instructor for basic pistol and personal protection firearm training. He has a product line that I'm going to get him to talk with you a little bit more about as we go into it, um, because if I just throw out a name, you're going to go, huh? We're going to talk about that a little bit. But it includes some items for um, protection and preparedness as well as certain things for survival applications. So we're going to talk with Don today so you can get to know him a little bit better and kind of get a little bit of history about what began for him, what started him on this journey and how we connected and things he's got you know, planned for the future. So I want to make sure I've got a good connection with you, Don. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I can hear you. Great. And I hear you as well. Awesome. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. This is the first time I've had you on the show, and it's great because, like like I said before, this is raw. I am getting to know you a little bit better, and everybody else gets to listen in on this at the same time. So that kind of works out good. Very cool. Um, 
I alluded to the fact we're going to kind of go back into history. I don't want to go back to like kindergarten or anything, but you know, what, <laughs> what made the lights come on for you as far as preparedness? Because a lot of people, a lot of people either have a defining moment or they just knew this is how they wanted to be. What was it for you? Uh, the main thing would be having a kid. Um, <laughs> I, I think any parent that takes being a parent responsibly starts going over the what ifs in their head. What if this? What if that? You know, you have yeah. this little bundle of flesh and cartilage because it's not even bone yet, and <laughs> he's entirely and completely dependent on you and you know and mom. And um, yeah, I just thought about it and I said, what am I doing to make sure that this child reaches adulthood? And you know, a little bit of spark of preparedness came up then, you know, getting extra food, making sure the house is set for an emergency and things like that. That That's what kind of got me into it. Uh, going back a little bit further, I, I'm a child of the 80s, and every kid in the 80s watched the original Red Dawn series. <laughs> and, um, yes. you know, there's, there, there's always like the kind of the aftermath of the Cold War in our heads coming from that generation. And... Mm-hmm. You know, these were always what ifs as well, and you know, I remember my parents being a little bit concerned about it. And you know, then we have movies and fiction coming out regarding it. And like I said, when when I had a kid, I'm like, I need to start really looking at this seriously. I, I have a dependent now, and I take that role seriously, as I think uh, most preparedness people do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's definitely a turning point. You have a life that you're responsible for that's beyond your own. And so that can be a, a huge turning point. Um, what kind of steps do you feel like you took? Um, you you have a 10-year uh, history of being in martial arts. Did that play a big role for you? The martial arts actually came before uh, my emergency preparedness kind of awakening when I had my son. Uh, I had done a few years in college in uh, like Taekwondo and Aikido as martial arts and they were just an activity while I was in college and then I started taking it again as I was um, in my mid-30s really as a way to stay in shape get some exercise stuff like that and when like I said when I had my son and the emergency preparedness stuff started kicking in and that that mindset started to grow I looked at my martial training in a different light uh, you know, mm-hmm. This has to be effective. This isn't just you know learning Japanese or getting some cultural influences while I learn weird forms and alien postures. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> not really at all what it's about. It, it suddenly took a much more practical turn. Uh, you know, how do I protect my family? How do I you know protect my son? And um, it really caused me, I think, to grow uh, more as a martial artist. It gave me a little bit more focus as to what I wanted to do. And it um, caused me to go into a little bit more of the use of force spectrum, you know, not just doing martial arts as a martial art, but this is my physical force training. And, you know, you go all along the spectrum and, you know, you kind of want training in all of it. So mm-hmm. the martial arts plugged right in to the extra um, emergency preparedness mentality that I was growing yeah, it sounds like it does. It sounds like um, it's an area that 
maybe a lot of people don't consider, you know, the biggest thing usually is stocking up food or stocking up supplies or making sure you have enough batteries or whatever, the the usual. Um, but not many people really think about the fact that what if you're literally left with nothing but yourself to, to have to take care of things. And protection, from a martial arts point of view, kind of answers that question. It does. And, you know, it's not even just what if I'm left with my own stuff. It's what if I get all this stuff and someone else who didn't prepare comes along. You know, we, we all have the relative that when they find out you're a little bit into prepping, and they go, <laughs> well, I know where I'm coming when the zombies come. Mm-hmm. Right? And basically what that means is I fully identify myself as a leech. You know, and they're like, they're not going to prepare. They're going to rely on you, you know. And, it, you know, if I have a long-lost relative show up at, after my, you know, show up at my door after something has really gone down, and every meal I give them is a meal that I'm not feeding my son, you know, there's, there's going to be some soul-searching done. And it's, it's just a matter of not only do you have to prepare, but you have to be able to protect what you've prepared because your family is your responsibility. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it totally plays into, yeah, not only getting food if you've got nothing, and you know, I'm not advocating going out and taking other people's stuff, but, you know, it, it's a skill set that would be in demand potentially. You might be able to leverage that for some meals here and there. But, yeah, that's, you know, that's how a How do you protect point. what you've got? And um, martial, you know, martial arts, firearm training and all of that is is part of that. It plugs right in. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. When you mentioned something, and I, I know this is part of what um, you've developed in your, your martial arts um, training, what is use of force spectrum? What is that? Okay, the use of force spectrum is a, uh, um, in, the, in the study of use of force, it's a fairly well understood thing, and it goes from the least use of force against an, uh, an enemy or an opponent uh, versus the most severe use of force against an enemy or an opponent. Hmm. Uh, and the stages are in the traditional one that you would look up and see is situational awareness. Everything starts from being aware of what's going on to escape and avoidance. You are avoiding contact with a potential threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, to verbal de-escalation, where the situation has not yet gone physical. You're hoping to de-escalate the situation verbally. Um, a more accurate term for that is non-physical rather than physical, um, because verbal means you're just talking, but there's a lot of communication cues that are non-verbal. So mm-hmm. uh, in the traditional use of force spectrum, is called verbal de-escalation. I would call it non-physical de-escalation myself if I were to rewrite it. Uh, Once you are essentially not able to talk your way out of it, then it could go to a physical force encounter, which most people associate with punching, kicking, wrestling, grappling, stuff like that, uh, which is what the martial arts prepare you for. After physical force, there is uh, a level called intermediate force or advanced physical force. This would be uh, something that goes beyond just physical. It would be like pepper spray, or tasers, electromuscular disruption devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, police are authorized to use beanbag rounds and shotguns. Civilians are typically not authorized to do that. Uh, the idea is this is force that you are imparting on a threat that is more effective, basically, than physical force might be. 
but there are measures in place to make it less than lethal. And then finally, there is lethal force, which we would consider firearms, knives, bats, clubs, and things like that. Uh, That's the basic use of force spectrum. And I like to add one at the beginning called self-awareness. Remember, we had situational awareness at the beginning. I like to add one called self-awareness at the beginning because you need to have a good inventory of what your skill sets are. Um, Mm. If you're not a distance runner or you're not a fast sprinter, or you know that, uh, you know, for instance, as a female, if you're wearing high heel shoes for your job or something like that, the escape and avoidance might be difficult for you because you're not a good runner, you're not a good sprinter to get away from something. So having a, a stock of what you know that you're good at, basically what your strengths and weaknesses are and your vulnerabilities are, you can assess your response to a threat more easily. So I like to start it with, self-awareness. That's a good point. I haven't, you know, I, I haven't never thought of somebody really needing to think about that. I mean, I'm, I kind of, I kind of do, but I haven't thought of other people really needing to learn that. So that's really a, that's really a good point. Um, we're going to, we're going to take a real quick break here because I want to be able to come back and talk about some things that you have currently going on. Um, I mean, you've, you've shared with us kind of what started and then a groundwork with the, um, the martial arts. And I think that when you explain that, it helps someone get a better picture of where they might fall on that end of the scale when they're faced with something. You know, am I going to use the full amount of force or am I going to... Um, going to take my time and and try to just use verbal or situational awareness or do I need to be aware of what limitations I have I think that's great groundwork for someone to kind of start thinking about because I haven't even thought about the other one Um, we're going to come back though and I want to talk about your your product line and kind of where it came from and how you developed it and where people can find it okay all right we'll be back after this word from our sponsor Do you have your free digital subscription to Prepare Magazine yet? If not, then hurry over to preparemag.com and start getting each monthly issue sent directly to your inbox. It's easy. All you have to do is go to preparemag.com, enter your name and email address, and you're subscribed. Consider signing up for the premium membership for past issues and exclusive resources. You can even subscribe to the beautiful print version of Prepare Magazine. Visit preparemag.com and choose the option that's most valuable to you. Prepare Magazine. Encouraging, empowering, and enriching your journey. Are you looking to have ducks, geese, chickens? Boy, do we have something to share with you. Stop by ranch-coop.com. These folks build some of the most beautiful handcrafted coops for small areas as well as the farm. They are so easy to put together. It took us less than an hour and they're shipped right to your door. Stop by ranch-coop.com. Wonderful people to deal with. Beautiful coops that you can use for backyard and homestead fowl. Ranch-coop.com. Here's how you can save $10 on the mill of your choice. Go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store and use the promo code radio at checkout. That's R-A-D-I-O at checkout. Or you can call 828-536-4988 during weekday business hours and get the same savings by phone. Either way, your order is shipped to your door without shipping charges. Remember, you can go to millersgrainhouse.com forward slash store or call 828-536-4988 and use the promo code RADIO.
your preparation station is on the air. Thank you so much for staying through the break, and we hope that you will connect with our sponsors and see what they have to offer. Well, Don, we have um, another section here before another break. I want to talk with you about your line of products, um, and I, the reason I'm not saying it is because I'm going to butcher the name. That's really why I'm not saying it out loud. <laughs> and I want to be able to spell the website so that people will, um, who are listening rather than reading will connect with it as well. Please pronounce the name of your business. Okay. My business name is Boo Tactical. B-U is how it's okay. spelled. So the website is B-U, then the word tactical.com. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you very much because I have a tendency to just kind of go all over the place, try to be phonetic and mess it up big time. <laughs> Tell yeah, everybody about what they'll find Japanese, there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Boo is a Japanese term. And uh, it, it essentially means protection. And um, unfortunately, the English to Japanese translation is always lacking. Um, <laughs> Japanese tends to be a much more nuanced language, and we tend to focus only on the root meaning. So when we think of protection, you know, it's not just defense, which is entirely, you know, non-forward. It's, you know, it's like a goalie. A goalie's not going to score on the other team, most likely. Mm-hmm. He is simply there for defense. And offense, you know, your offensive line, for instance, like in a hockey game, they're the ones that go out and win you the game. They're the ones that go out and neutralize the threat by, you know, by keeping the puck down on the other side of the ice. Mm-hmm. So boo is really a protection with uh, non-aggression um, nuances attached. And uh, that's why I decided to name my company that. Um, it fits with the mindset that I have um, from a preparedness as well as a martial paradigm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now that makes that, see, that makes sense. Now I can remember both how to say it and the connection, <laughs> so that's awesome. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. Now, when I, yep. <clears throat> I get a chance to look at your website, though, uh, there are a couple things that jump out to me as, well, that's just not your usual prepper stuff. Um, I mean, some of them, definitely, I see the practicality of it. But then, of course, I click on something like the survival section, which is a combat lanyard um, and ranger bead tassel. What on earth are those and what would they possibly be used for? (laughs) Okay. There is an entire martial art devoted to fighting with rope. It's called hojo jutsu in Japanese. Hojo is rope. Jutsu is fighting or warfare. And it originated from the samurai era where they would fight with the rope that they were going to tie up a uh, high-value target with. So they knew they wanted to subdue this guy. They knew they wanted to get uh, um, you know, money for him uh, to turn him back over to the enemy, or they needed to trap him to question him and things like that. So an entire martial art was devoted to fighting with rope, hojo jutsu. Um, most Americans work in an environment that is not permissive to weaponry. Right. So we can't take our firearms into work. I'm an engineer by day. I cannot take my firearm into work. Um, I personally find it ethically reprehensible that a company would say, I am denying you the means to protect yourself, and I am doing nothing to protect you. Yeah. 
to me, it's, it's just, it's, it's not cool. It, it leaves <laughs> companies list just with loads of sitting ducks for anything. Yeah, It does. And they're doing it for insurance and liability reasons. But at the same time, it creates a vulnerability within the workplace. So I started looking at items that were already on the market, like the tactical pen, the tactical flashlight. These are, uh, it appears to be a regular pen, but it's got a steel hull. And the flashlight's the same way. It appears to be a flashlight. It works just like a flashlight, but it's got like an aircraft aluminum or a steel hull with some uh, crenellations on the outside, where you can use this as a striking or a grappling weapon. There's a uh, um, weapon called the Yawara, which is basically, uh, in Japanese term, it's basically a stick, anything roughly between 6 and 10 inches long. And there's a whole fighting art with just this stick. So I started looking at ways that I could essentially have very discreet weaponry in the workplace. And that's when I made up the combat lanyard ID badge. And I looked at stuff that I had to have on me every day. And I said, how can I weaponize this? So if I needed it in a fight, I would have it available. Mm -hmm. And one of the things was my ID badge that I'm required to wear into my work every day. And I badge in, there's a little card reader that beeps and lets me through the door. And I have to have this thing on me all the time, you know, when I'm at work. So, you know, here's a device that, you know, from when I'm going to work and from work as well as all day at work, basically a minimum of nine to ten hours a day I've got this thing on me. How can I turn this into a weapon? And the idea was basically make the lanyard into a Hojo Jutsu style weapon. Uh, I use paracord on it and it's, you know, with some practice, it takes a little bit of education to uh, use this effectively. But a piece of rope can be a very effective grappling aid. It can even be a striking aid if you want it to be add some weights down to one end. And mm -hmm. that was the idea behind the combat lanyard ID badge. Now, except for the couple guys that know I'm into this at work, I have been wearing my prototype at work for four years now, and no one has said, hey, you could use that as a weapon. <laughs> So because, it is the yeah, ultimate, they don't think of it. They don't awesome. think of it. You yeah. know, it's the ultimate in discreet weaponry. Um, you know, there's a lot of other things you can do. You can, you know, have a stapler or a, you know, one of those three hole punches or even a pair of scissors at your desk and have those in easy reach. So if you need to defend yourself at work, you have something because something is better than nothing. Right. And uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can use as weapons. And this was a way, the Combat Lanyard ID badge is a way to have a weapon on hand all the time. That's a, that is really cool. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, didn't, it did not strike. Well, that's, of course, that's why I asked, what on earth would you do with that? Uh, other things I understand, I can, you know, whether it's blunt force or an actual knife or firearm, I got it. Uh, but a lot of the other stuff, like the lanyards and, and other things, I'm, I'm going, okay, how does that fall into that? That is really cool that you came up with that. Um, yes. And my training company, uh, Marshall Tactical Training of Michigan, for which I am, it's not my company, I'm part of the company. Um, they have a class called Improvise and Adaptive Weaponry, where we look at objects and we say what are the weapon characteristics of these objects you know is something rigid is it flexible is it bladed is it blunt and so on and so forth i, I want to mm -hmm. give the whole thing away but you can look at any object and say how would i use this as a weapon if i needed to and understanding the characteristics of what makes something a weapon is really important um objects are just objects 
there is no such thing as a weapon. Only the intent of the user transforms a tool or an object into a weapon. Mm-hmm. That makes so, sense. That definitely yep. makes sense. That's really cool. So you came up with a lot of these objects to um, to sell to other people, and then you also teach some of the training in classes at um, Marshall. I can't pronounce it. Let me slow down if I rush it too fast. Marshall Tactical Training of Michigan, um, which, Correct. by the way, if someone is listening and they want to connect with Don there um, or at his his website, if you're just listening, let me spell. No, I'm not going to spell it. It's just Marshall Tactical Training of Michigan dot com, and then um, Boo Tactical, which he just alluded to how to get connected there. So hopefully you'll catch those. If you are on the show page, though, we will have those linked down below so that you can go right to what um, we're both talking about, so that you can be in on it with everybody. Um, And bookmark it because it's a lot to type in. (laughs) <laughs> it is. <laughs> you better hope you never clean your browser out. Yeah, it, it right. is a lot to type in. Um, but of course, if you read any of the articles that Don writes for the magazine, um, for Prepare Magazine, you can connect in his bio there or on his byline too. So if you've read something of his, now you can kind of start connecting a real person, a real life, um, and, and a real passion for uh, self-defense training that he has and helping others. So that's a that's a great way you get a, a better and a more full picture of of what Don's into and what he's been doing and what he's got to offer for you. Well, I want to ask you a a question um, because a lot of people, you know, they either fall really far on one end and they're, oh gosh, I'm going to sound terrible, but we talked before about sarcasm. I'm going to still say it anyway. A lot of people think the more guns and bullets they have, the better protected they are. And that to build up a huge armory of weaponry, they're fine. What do you think is the most important characteristic for personal protection? Uh, For personal protection, I would say get some training in the entire use of force spectrum. Mm. Um, So that means lethal force. uh, Get some firearm training. Don't just buy guns. Don't just buy ammunition. Um, Yeah, I'm on a couple of forums on Facebook and some other places, and I see a lot of people talking about I just got this done, you know, this gun, or I just got this mod done to this gun, or I just picked up, you know, 500 extra rounds of ammunition to throw in the bunker. And it's like, what are you doing to invest in yourself? Because ultimately it's going to boil down to training and not stuff. The stuff Mm -hmm. augments the training that you have. It cannot replace it. So get some firearm training. There's... There's all kinds of nationally renowned training areas. Um, if you go to a couple of firearm sites in your area, there'll be a couple of uh, favorites. Go there, uh, take you know their basic handgun classes, their intermediate classes. Um, if you want to take their advanced classes, go for it. Get some personal protection training, some hands-on training, and you know, really learn all you can about situational awareness and being aware and get some verbal de-escalation skills and get a, get a fitness level to where you can last a little bit in an altercation because the physiological effects of stress are um, debilitating if you're not used to it. Yeah. So, again, this goes back to knowing yourself. What I think is the very first part of the spectrum is one of it is how do I react to stress. Some people freeze up. 
Some people get uh, you know, very anxious to the point where they can't even function straight. And mm-hmm. you need to know how you're going to respond to stress before you even know what you can do about it thereafter. Yeah, uh, you're right. A lot of people have not been put in a highly stressful situation. We all have day-to-day stress or long-term stress of, you know, making the bills or, you know, making sure certain things are taken care of. And that's one type of stress. But when you're talking about legitimate fight or flight um, adrenaline, that's a complete, that's a completely different animal altogether. And a lot of people are not prepared for how they'll act. I know I, for one, can assume I know. um, And I have been in different situations where I've reacted I figured I'd do that. Um, but each situation is even different. Wouldn't you say that people, you know, they need to have a very solid base so that they can control that reaction? Absolutely. And every every situation is different, like you say. Uh, now, we have this use of course spectrum, and that doesn't mean you have to escalate through the spectrum um, to, up to, let's say someone pulls a gun on you and you have a firearm of your own, and you're able to duck somewhere, able to draw it and pull it out. You don't have to try to verbally de-escalate this person if you don't think it's going to work. You don't have to try going physical force with this person if crossing that distance to your attacker is going to put you in harm. So you can access any point of the spectrum as long as it's legally appropriate in your state, and ethically and morally appropriate to you. So mm-hmm. if someone draws a firearm on you and says, hand me your wallet, um, if they're a little distance away and I think I can move and get my firearm out, I don't have to try and verbally de-escalate this guy. I can go right to lethal force because lethal force is being used against me. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's not something you have to escalate through. Um, you said that, that for everyone said, who is you said that for everyone who is OCD and likes to move through the pattern as to an escalation. So I and right. I for one appreciate that because you know there are people who think well okay, what, what should I do first? And you may have to be a little bit more intuitive versus going through um, specific uh, methodical practice. Correct, and the way the use of force spectrum is typically depicted in books or on the internet is on a like a, a scale. So far left you have situational awareness and far right you have lethal force and they're showing a spectrum. The, the Really the most appropriate way to depict that is put a circle in the middle and call it self and situational awareness because that starts with you and then around that circle, you know, bend that use the force spectrum into a circle around it and understand that you can access any point on that as appropriate um, instantly. You don't have to escalate through anything. Um, okay. So getting back to your question was the stress. You know, it, it can completely hijack you and every situation is different. And if there's a lot of um, verbal tension before it, you know, name calling, some shoving, Uh, a lot of emotional hijacking can go on during that phase of things. It's kind of surprising that if someone just comes up to you and takes a swing, they've put you in the physical force side of things. You don't really have to worry about it because it's like, I don't want to get hit. And your body and your mind immediately access that part of things. But if things slowly escalate up, someone starts calling you names, tells you things about your mom you didn't know about, 
and, you know, it starts escalating from there, you can become emotionally hijacked during that process. So when it does land to physical, when it does come to physical or worse, you've got all this emotional stuff pent up. You, ha- you have to know how to essentially ground that, how to get it out of your system so that you can act appropriately when, when it's necessary. It's, it's almost like planning to have an action rather than acting out of reaction. Absolutely. And um, anyone that's taken the NRA personal protection in the home course or outside the home course knows that uh, if you visualize, 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 you know, look at different scenarios. There's all kinds of websites. Uh, there's YouTube videos. There's some Facebook pages that show scenarios of, you know, bad stuff happening. It's, it's grim to watch, but this is really what we're preparing for ultimately. Mm-hmm. And uh, see what happens in an altercation. They become familiar with what happens in a real altercation. They can say, okay, I see what he did there. Uh, I would do this. I would do this. I would do this. Mm-hmm. And that way, when they're going through an altercation of their own, unfortunately, they have a little bit of familiarization with an altercation. They're not learning as they go. Because when it's your life on the line, you don't really want to be in a learning-as-you-go mode. You want to be in a, I kind of been here and done this mode. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, that yeah. makes perfect sense. Even if it's nothing more than mental imagery, uh, it's better than nothing. And you've got a good point. Some of those might be yeah. difficult to watch, but what's more difficult than finding yourself completely caught unaware and um, not being able to even function? That's worse. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very good point. Well, we're going to take our last break for the show. And then I do want to talk with you a little bit more about, I don't know, maybe a little bit more on the the wide range of preparedness, um, what you feel like is, you know, you're, for lack of a better word, taking the temperature right now of what's going on in society and with preppers and, and, um, you know, what we can do to help and encourage some people to be prepared. So I will be right back after this word from our sponsor. National Geographic traveled all the way to Boone, North Carolina to select Turtle Island Preserve, a nonprofit outdoor discovery center and Appalachian Heritage Farm as one of the 100 most enriching destinations in North America. For over 26 years, families have gained enrichment while discovering nature and more importantly, themselves. In a world where digital screens and push buttons have replaced actual contact with nature, Turtle Island's beautiful campus and knowledgeable staff reconnect its guests to their natural roots. While camping out, visitors learn vast amounts in our non-electric, wood-fired community. Hundreds of hands-on classes are offered, such as beekeeping, woodworking, primitive skills, and more, covering the gamut of early traditional living. A program for fathers and sons kicks off the summer season, followed by a five-day workshop for adults with renowned naturalist and director Eustace Conway. Turtle Island is a great destination for scouts, school field trips, homeschool, and special interest groups. Please visit our website and then visit our paradise, turtleislandpreserve.org, or call 828-265-2267. Your preparation station is on the air. 
Welcome back to the very last portion of our show. No more interruptions. No more having to stop. We're going to get a chance to finish up our conversation. I've really enjoyed getting a chance to talk with you, Don, because you've brought some new things to the show, to the listeners, um, and to me, to as far as listening to some things. Um, we, you know, when it comes to preparedness, it's such a wow, broad, broad spectrum of things, and such wide, uh, varying degrees of how prepared someone can be for something. Um, and and I really, admittedly, to my detriment, have not discussed on air too much about the self-protection and martial arts aspect of it. So I really appreciate you bringing your expertise to uh, to the air with me today. That's been fun. My pleasure. What do you feel like is going on now? I know, I mean, I have my opinions, my husband has his, and I talk to a lot of people on a regular basis. A lot of people have opinions about kind of the the pulse of unprepared society and then pre- preppers, which I'm almost shy of that word. I, I say it a lot, but it's the best form of explanation of what you want to call people who prepare, but I'm a little shy of that word anyway. Um, yeah, unfortunately it has some negative stigmas, but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we the industry need to come up with a better term for it that has not yet been stigmatized. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, um, been stig- that's the word yet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is, I you know, I personally think that we are in a very odd time um, as far as the United States goes, us as a society and us as a world. Um, and there, there's a lot of red flags and there's, you know, there's a reasonable amount of hope for well, uh, as well. Um, I've never seen, now this could be that I'm just like, you know, old enough and cantankerous enough to deal with it. And everyone before me has felt the same way, but I've never seen such arrogance in the entitlement portion of our society. You know, people who are living on welfare, for instance, people who are dependent on the system in some way or another, it's, it's not only are they receiving these benefits in some way that the rest of us are working for, they are arrogantly entitled to those benefits. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that, that causes a problem when there's real people going out and getting real jobs and working to raise their family and watching a portion of their paycheck just disappear before they even get it. Um, My idea for a fix for this is one month out of the year, have people receive their entire paycheck and have to write checks for their taxes. Watch the interest in what the government is doing with the taxes increase. Mm. Because right now they don't get it, so they don't think about it. When they have to write that check and say, I'm writing 500 bucks out of my check for what? This guy can go yeah. play golf again? No. <laughs> right? So that, that's an aside. But, you know, that's, that's one of the concerns. Um, we have some, uh, as, you know, as of right now, we have uh, some racial concerns going on. There's a lot of um, yeah. one segment of our society who are basically going out and saying they're going to murder another section of our society. And while it hasn't panned out yet, and hopefully it does not, the fact that it's even being said shows that there's a massive underlying unrest that we have to prepare for. Mm-hmm. To 
exacerbate the issue even further, America is declining in our economic prowess around the world. There, there's other countries that are as prosperous or more prosperous than us right now. We're no longer the economic powerhouse where we were able to throw our weight around and get results that we once were. And right. as a result, you know, when things shrink and when resources shrink, people start looking for more resources. It's, you know, it's been the same throughout our entire history. And that causes strife as well. So we have a number of indicators that there is the potential for a lot of strife in our future. And mm-hmm. um, these threats are more apparent than they've ever been. Um, to mitigate that somewhat, you know, we have some really good technology out there right now. Um, we, you know, we have, with mass production, we have the ability to put an iPhone or something in anyone's hands that wants it virtually. Um, we can provide a lot of this stuff at cost, um, at a cost that society deems appropriate, of course. Um, but we can provide a lot of things that we, uh, as, as a species, have not been able to provide before. I mean, virtually mm-hmm. anyone can walk into a hospital and get medical treatment. Whether or not they can pay for it or not, they will generally receive their, uh, any required treatment um, if they go in. Um, so there, there's a lot of pluses out there, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of what ifs out there. And we have to be really careful that these, these, you know, these different things that might be causing threats or strife don't destroy the good things that we have being built still. Yeah. Do you feel like, well, I'm not, I'm not really, I shy away from becoming extremely political or conspiracy theorist because I don't want to polarize anybody. I have my own personal beliefs on things as do, well, everyone does this, you know, opinions are like belly buttons. Everybody's got one. So, you know, but I, do you feel like in a way, <clears throat> some things are even stirred up a little bit more by mass media or or some quote-unquote powers that be make things a little bit worse sounding than they might be in order to keep people on edge? Um, I don't know that it's in order to keep people on edge. Uh, it might be. There might be some social engineering efforts going on, and um, there are certainly plenty of theories out there that support that. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, you can find evidence that supports it. Um, as for the mass media, they might be being directed to do some of this stuff by the powers that be. Um, I like to look at it as headlines sell papers or get clicks, and we have to sensationalize those headlines to get clicks. Yeah. Um, yeah, we live in a we live in a era where anyone can be heard, and that can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. <laughs> Um, self-proclaimed experts whether or not the that may not of yeah. Message, yeah it's not vetted you know I can make a blog and be completely out there or I can make a blog and be reasonable and measured and mm-hmm. I will find an audience regardless and however I make my headlines is how many clicks I'm going to get and then I can go find sponsors and get paid and stuff like that mm-hmm. so there is a lot of over sensationalism for you know profit purposes and for money-making purposes. And I think there's a lot of stuff going on personally that is being used to stir things up. Um, I honestly think that our federal government is in the midst of an unprecedented power grab, and I think they are doing whatever they can 
to create issues so they can come back to the population and say, see, you need us. Yeah. And I've seen that no one ever looks and says, you're with the you. cause of why we need you. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Yeah, yep. we've you create the supply and demand at the same time, and of course you get rich on both sides. So, Absolutely. you know, and if someone would just realize any entity is capable of doing it that way, um, literally any entity is capable of doing it that way, um, yeah. then we can we can realize there, we might be being played a little bit in some areas, and it may just be a simple case of of people are allowing themselves to be led that way. And that's unfortunate because you end up shortchanged in the long run because you are going to have to rely on something else or some other situation or some other um, system, in, whether you like it or not, if you allow yourself to continue to be led that way. I'm not calling for like revolt or anarchy or anything stupid like that, but I am saying be be wise um, you know, to listen and if you go so far off the deep end that you cause a problem, you're not getting much done either. Correct. And any legitimacy you had in your argument can be lost. You know, no one <laughs> yeah. li- listens to the ravings of a of a madman. You know, there's plenty of websites out there now that just purely promote conspiracy theories left and right. And yeah, you know, if you if you copy and paste information from one of those into like a Facebook argument, for instance, then everyone just says, oh, well, you just got that from this site and, you know, they're a bunch of idiots. And, (laughs) you know, a rational person would be forced to agree and it it actually loses your point, whether or not that specific point was legitimate. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, you you, you have to be careful with your sources. And, um, you know, that actually goes back to, uh, if I can segue a bit, that actually goes back to what uh, a portion I teach in our um, pistol classes. We do the uh, uh, personal protection in the home class that satisfies Michigan's requirements for a CPL class. And before the class even starts, I talk about gun guy. Now, gun guy is this ego-driven guy. Uh, everyone knows gun guy um, in, you know, who's in the firearms circuit. They, they know a guy who is gun guy. His opinion is gospel. He is right, and he shall brook no argument against whatever he says. You know, this is the guy that says 45 is better than 9mm, period. Or Colt is better than Glock, period. Or whatnot. Whatever his point is, he is stating his opinion as a fact. And uh, Gun Guy is typically a very good source of information if you can strip the bias out. Mm-hmm. And I, I admonish my students in class, or I emphasize to my students in class is uh, the better word, um, listen to Gun Guy, but go out and verify and validate what Gun Guy says. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of times he is teaching for his own benefit and not for his students' benefit. And as an example, I took an uh, um, intro to one of these sports shooting classes, and the guy had a troubleshooting target up on, uh, uh, up on the target. And basically, wherever you, you aim for the bullseye, wherever you hit, this target can kind of tell you what you might be doing wrong. And uh, mm-hmm. my brother went with me, and he shot, and he, uh, his shot was a little bit to the right. So he had just a little bit too much finger on the trigger, and he was pulling the gun off to the right when he shot. I'm a lefty, so I went up there and shot, and I didn't pull anywhere. I nailed it right through the bullseye. And gun guy scratched his big gut and then stroked his beard and said, well, I guess I don't got too much to tell you. 
I mean, that's, that, that says it all right there. Gun guy didn't congratulate me on doing a good shot. He told yeah. me what his role in this situation was. I don't have too much to tell you. So he took my mm-hmm. success and turned it into a negative because he wasn't able to elevate himself on it, which was his own, that was his specific goal. That now, a lot of this, you know, getting back point. to the parallel that I was making, is a lot of people will promote some opinion, you know, whether it's, you know, a preparedness website or a uh, um, product or something. They will promote their opinion as fact in order to make a buck or to <laughs> elevate themselves. And you really need to ensure, as an instructor of any type, that your, tra- your trainee's advancement is the most important thing. It's why you're there. And just like we're doing here, our listeners' advancement in the realm of preparedness is why we're sitting here today. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really need to focus on. And so it has to be measured. It can't be zombie apocalypse, which, you know, battle axe should I buy? You know, it should be, <laughs> um, you know, it should be what can I really do if things go south? You know, right. if, if there's a financial collapse or if there's civil unrest, what are some things that I can legitimately do to handle this? And when you're rational and you're measured and your stance is well thought out, you're taken as, as a resource, which is what you want because you want to make people's lives better and, and you want to make their preparedness efforts, their time and their money mean something. Yeah. Oh, I, I could not agree with you more. It's almost like uh, I used to start when I was actually on a different network, I used to start every show with almost that exact spiel, which is people don't check your, net, your brain at the door just because I pulled this guest on. It doesn't mean they speak gospel. It doesn't mean, um, you know, and that you, ha- you have to just follow another person instead of being led by you know, one, you just pick a different one. Be lead, be led by yourself, by your own conscience, by by what you feel is important to prepare. Um, really, all we're here to do with the magazine, with the show, and and sounds like you know you as well is facilitate that ability for someone to do it themselves. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, and have you ever gotten on? This is my pet peeve. Get on someone's website, and it is so over the top, buy this or you're going to die, do it my way or you're never going to make it. Um, you know, everybody else is doing it wrong. The, the 40 things you're doing wrong in your preparedness plan, I have all of your answers. Yep. Those things drive me nuts. Oh, my gosh. I, get yeah. so, I almost want to throw the computer out the window when I see them. Um, Absolutely. And when I first no. started with preparedness, I would go through and read those because I didn't want to make those mistakes, right? Yeah. And, you know, I eventually learned that, this is marketing I'm being yes. marketed to. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you, you, have to, you have to know, is there something I can pull from this and leave the hype behind? Right. It, it doesn't mean yeah. there's not something worthy or, you know, uh, there's a, a saying, I think it's probably a Yiddish saying, you know, take the meat but spit out the bones. It's chew on the meat but spit out the bones. It's, there is something worthy in some of those. You can learn a lot of things. But if you hit it with that tone all the time, if you're, if you're buying into them and you follow this person, they know so much more than everybody, they don't live in your house. They don't have your budget. They don't have your dietary plans. They don't have your skill set. 
they can't they can speak certain ideas to you, but they can't tell you what to do. And exactly. anybody that tries to tell you to me, I just run the other way. That and if I can't find a real person behind the website, those are the two things that tick me off more than anything. If I yeah. can't get an honest to goodness person to answer me back with some type of reply, um, autoresponders are fine. It means yeah, your your email got through. But if you don't have a reply back from somebody, and, and you know it was tailor made to answer your question, just quit looking at those people. That's Absolutely. all I say. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Marshall Tactical Training in Michigan does teach an emergency preparedness class. Um, uh, we jokingly call it amongst ourselves Prepper 101, but it can be <laughs> taken by non-preppers as well because it's emergency preparedness. It's not, you know, total right. prepper preparedness. And one of the things we talk about, you know, when we designed this class, we said, I don't want to put anything in here that people can Google for themselves. I, I want to teach people something. And yeah. what we actually did in our class is we looked at what the various threats were. Uh, now, we're local to Michigan, but this can be done anywhere. You know, Michigan gets uh, occasional tornadoes. Um, we have a lot of rain. We get, you know, we get some flash flooding here and there and stuff like that. Thunderstorm, lightning, um, um, what did I say, like financial issues. You know, we're very heavily dependent on the auto industry. So right. when the economy tanks and people are fixing cars and not buying cars, it really affects the Detroit area a lot. So what we did is we made up a, a uh, concept called a threat matrix. And um, I don't want to say we made it up. We adapted a, uh, um, a form that was already out there. Threat matrices have been out there for a while. And it's really a sum of different threats that the average family faces. And you look at each threat and you scale it, you know, by severity. Let's say you give it a scale of one to five. Um, you know, five is I might die or I might lose everything I own if it's a financial thing. One is, you know, severity of one is this isn't so bad. So like on a wind scale, if you're looking at high wind as your threat, you know, a tornado would be a five. A hurricane, if you live on the coast, would be a five. A one would be a, um, you know, a moderate breeze or a strong storm of some type. Um, anything less than that, it's not really a threat. The severity would be zero. And then you look at the occurrence, which is how likely it is to happen, and the detectability, which is how likely it is you're going to get a heads up on if it's going to happen or not. You know, weather-related stuff is pretty detectable. You know, we've got, mm -hmm. you know, phone apps. The uh, Red Cross Tornado app is a good one. There's all kinds of other phone apps where you plug in your zip code or if you want to give the, the app your location privileges, then it will monitor where you're at and it will tell you if there's thunderstorms or tornadoes or whatever coming your way. Um, so you artificially enhance your detectability of this particular threat that way. And what we do is we, look, uh, we teach people how to do this threat matrix. And that way people can prepare for themselves. And they can say, okay, well, I'm really concerned about forest fire. Mm -hmm. And what do I need to do about this? You know, they, they might say that somewhere out in California. And here in Michigan, we might say, I'm really concerned about tornadoes, but I live in a brand-new subdivision, and uh, we have twigs for trees. I'm not going to get a forest fire. So preparing <laughs> for a forest fire is useless to that person. Right. Um, and then there's some national scale things like some type of contagion or uh, civil unrest or you know a financial collapse. You know these are all much more severe things, and it's a much more faceted 
thing. There's a lot of different things going on. You say you say uh, financial collapse. You know that's civil unrest. That's lack of emergency response. That's a ton of different things, all under one noun, basically. And mm-hmm. uh, this system allows people to actually prepare for themselves. And then when you go through and you do this, you can see, okay, I need to learn about this. I need to buy this, or I need to get skilled up in this. And when you do that, you can kind of see what you need. We strongly urge people to take this course before they go out and, you know, start stocking up on MREs or something like that, or they go out and buy a $2,000 generator, um, which is always good to have, but it's like don't buy that because preparedness says to buy it. Buy it because you have a specific threat that you are preparing for, and this helps mitigate one of the issues with that threat. Yeah, good point. That is definitely a good point. I like the I like the matrix too because a lot of people, um, you know, you're told you need certain things by those quote unquote self self proclaimed experts, and it isn't appropriate for where you live or the circumstances you may be under. Yep. That's that's excellent. That's really cool. Well, I yeah. want to make sure people um, can can hear how to get in touch with you again. Um, you have two websites that will be linked below the show page, but if you're not at in front of the show page or a computer, um, the websites you want to visit are MarshallTacticalTrainingOfMichigan.com and Boo Tactical, which is B-U tactical.com as well so you can see some of the things that we talked about here maybe if you are in the area get involved and um, become a little bit more prepared and aware and um, physically more prepared so that you can handle some things to come I appreciate you taking some time with me today Don I know um, it's been good to get to know you a little bit better and I know people listening they're they're glad to get uh, a voice and a a passion behind the articles that they read in the magazine. So thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah, it's been great. For now, we're signing off here on your preparation station, and we will be back again next week with another great guest. And I'd like to encourage you to connect with Don at the websites below and um, just ask him any questions. If you heard the show, tell him that you heard the show and that you um, have some more ideas and questions you'd like to get in contact with him on. For now, this is Donna Miller. We're signing off from your preparation station, and we'll talk to you again next time. God bless. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of your preparation station with Donna Miller. We would love to hear from you. Please connect with us at yourpreparationstation.com and on Facebook. Tune in again next time for another encouraging episode. Until then, keep growing and finding joy in the journey.